Welcome to Vet Talk. Um, thank you for joining us. I have with me today a very special guest, uh, Dr. Michael Scher, who is here to talk. He's agreed to talk about really anything and everything, uh, so we will, we will see where the conversation goes. Um, but um, Michael, maybe uh, tell us how you got here. <laughs> uh, uh, many years ago. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> Once upon a time, and then your Jurassic era. <laughs> I uh, finished my DBM degree from the University of Illinois in 1970, and then I was um, thrust into my internship um, with basically no experience at all. That was at the AMC. At the AMC. Yeah. I never knew. I never knew how to take care of a sick animal, basically. Sure. In school, most things were chronically mm -hmm. involved and they were referred, gotcha. but nothing was dying. So um, it was a, a very, very, very steep learning curve. And um, so that was the internship, and uh, I felt that I enjoyed those challenges and uh, knew there was so much more to learn. They did a residency in medicine after that and uh, stayed on at the AMC, and uh, it was the golden era of veterinary medicine. Uh, small animals was uh, just getting into the groove of growing and becoming popular, and uh, the knowledge that we were uh, gathering at the AMC in those days were, it, it, it was mind-boggling. Staggering, actually. yeah. 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 So, um, Anyway, um, after uh, seven years at the AMC and then a stint in private practice for a year and a half, um, uh, Florida uh, asked me to come down and take a look, and uh, I knew that was it. Boom, been uh, there ever since. Because I wanted to teach, and yeah. I enjoy teaching when I was at the AMC. And then it's been a uh, progressive um, uh, experience of uh, learning and teaching and doing more learning and more teaching. and. It just hasn't stopped, yeah. and um, the uh, the amazing part about it is that there isn't a day that I don't walk out of here learning something new. Yeah. So um, after um, forty years at UF, um, I'm still learning. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, Hopefully, we we all always do, right? Yeah, exactly. And my colleagues always give me their pearls. Uh, I might be able to contribute a few to them, and. Um, it's a wonderful uh, symbiotic relationship. Yeah. All right. So that was a good bird's eye view yeah. of, of the, the career of Dr. Cher. Um, so it occurred to me that um, I don't know why you decided to do an internship. Because I, I, I started thinking about that. That Even just when I was in school, it wasn't that common for people to oh. do a rotating internship. So I imagine it was probably even less common um, for you at the time. So tell me about that. You know, what, okay. what kind of got you thinking about doing an internship and why? Well, let me say that the internship concept in clinical medicine really didn't start until the late 60s. Okay. Yeah. And the AMC and Angel Memorial were the hubs of those programs. And when I was in vet school, I didn't know anything about internships because just, just as you said, it was a new concept and um, not too many people were doing them. And then it was during my last year or the end of my junior year, I learned about this, this internship thing. And 
and uh, I inquired and applied. And um, then I just have to tell you a little side story. Uh, when I was in uh, senior surgery the first semester, I was asked to do a certain procedure that to me caused pain and suffering and I refused to do it. Okay. And my professor wasn't used to that. Yeah. And I said, I just can't do it. Yeah. He said, then scrub out and I'll make sure that um, this goes down. Ooh. So that's the deal. So I had a mentor in medicine, uh -huh. Dr. Erwin Small, whose door I knocked on uh, shortly thereafter and yeah. told him what happened. And I said, I just threw myself overboard. I said, yeah. it's over. And yeah. I know you wrote me a letter and thank you. And, but yeah. but uh, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't, do, couldn't you, do the procedure. You can say no, but can you tell us what the procedure was? Well, it was the final procedure um, on a dog. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, we would do repeated surgeries. Yeah. And uh, so it was like the, the, the fourth or fifth procedure. Gotcha. And we had to take a giggly wire and saw through the femur uh, and then pin it together. So this was, this was a planned, you know, surgical, surgery, surgical, non-recovery. Yeah, non-recovery. Right. Non the dog was under anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. And the dog was going to be euthanized yeah. after that. But in my mind... Going through that bone was... This was more than you felt was fair. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, so I thought I threw the internship up in the air, yeah. and, um, and lo and behold, I was notified that I did get it, wow. and I know that uh, Herb Small stuck his neck out all yeah. the way, wow. and I won't tell you the name of the uh, surgical professor. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> But uh, he and I ended up on pretty good sure. terms. You know, um, that's okay. We can disagree yeah, in this profession. Yeah. There's nothing wrong he's, with that. He stepped back, and uh, sure. I did. And I did learn how to do orthopedics during the internship. Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you couldn't get away from yeah, it. Yeah, get away from it totally. <laughs> uh, so obviously, the process for internships is a lot different today with the match. It's a massive, yeah. you know, kind of behemoth of a, of yeah. a system. So, I mean, there were a handful of internship spots, right? So you're saying it was basically Angel, AMC, and were any of the universities doing them at that point? Uh, only a handful. Mm -hmm. uh, AMC, let's see, Angel, AMC, uh, Penn, mm -hmm. UC Davis, a yeah. uh, couple of the schools in the, the Midwest were just getting started on it. And I actually evolved with the Ernst Machine yeah. program because... Um, uh, during my years at the AMC, I was in charge of the intern selection committee. Okay. And then when I came to Florida, uh, as an associate chair, I sat in on the yearly meetings of the American Association of Veterinary Clinicians mm -hmm. that was involved with the MATCH program, and it was done by hand at that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I became president of that uh, group. And it was then that we said, what about the future? If this one person does the hand match, if anything happens to that person, yeah. there is no match. You have nothing, yeah. So at that point... One person went through and just, like... Would, would, that's would, insane. He, he would have all the sheets, and he would, he would hand match them with an unbelievable degree of accuracy. Yeah. And he did yeah, a great... people would tell you about it, if not, but... <laughs> did a great job, but uh, we were worried about the future, sure. and this one yeah, person, perhaps, uh, well, 
uh, not surviving for a long time. But also, that just sounds terrible. Like, you need to come up with something better. We had to go modern. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's when we uh, we did a computer uh, program. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, it, it evolved. And uh, actually, um, it was at one of uh, my department meetings here at UF yeah. where a couple of the faculty said, hey, uh, you're so influential on the um, department chair's yeah. group. Um, why don't you try to get this thing computerized? And I brought the message, and ran with it. everybody was in on it, and boom, there it's it was. It's just one other thing you were the president of that I didn't know. No, about. this was back in 1999, actually. <laughs> I remember the oh, date, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, and so, here we are today. So, you've yeah. really seen, you know, I've the seen the whole evolution. Yeah, absolutely. Seen, yeah. At all. It's so funny that you're, you're talking about these things, like all the parallels and then some of the little things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of experienced something a little bit like that. And um, it, it just reminds me of just, you know, how many different things you've done and how many things you've been involved in and, and you know, how many things you've had your hand in in, in veterinary medicine. And I, of course, always think about it from the critical care standpoint, mm -hmm. um, which, of course, no exception there. You know, you've obviously had a big role there, but just all the things that I've experienced in my career that you've had your hand in influencing and, and you know, some very large and obvious ways and other ways that are maybe more subtle. Um, and it's just, it's, it's always kind of fascinating to hear about that, but okay. Getting back to, you did your, your internship year at AMC and, and I've heard, you know, some, some pretty fun stories from there. Um, but, and maybe we'll come back to some of those, but did you, maybe after your, your experience with, the surgery as a student, maybe you were already like definitely not going to go that route. Um, but were you already thinking you were going to want, you were like, I'm going to teach, I'm going to specialize in medicine? How did that come about? Well, um, during the internship, um, there would be some students from Penn who would come and visit okay. as externs, and I realized I enjoyed teaching. Yeah. And then I enjoyed surgery as well. And um, but I think it was my knack for putting things together mentally that uh, pointed me in the area yeah. of medicine. So you didn't go into the internship already thinking, were no. you already thinking residency? I, I, no, I, I was not thinking of residency until the fall of okay. the intern yeah. experience. And then, You're like, I, I'm gonna keep doing this. then I applied for the intern for the yeah. residency and then it, it, it just connected after that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of nice to hear too, you know, for people who are, so many students, I think, especially now, for me at least, that I interact with them, they come in and like in their first year, they have their career mapped out. And and that's fine. I, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But then you have a student who's like, I don't know what I want to do. And, and frequently I have to be like, it's okay. I didn't either. Right. I had no idea. I was never, if you had asked me, you know, midway through vet school where I was going to be today, I was not going to be at a university for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice, I think, for people who have had, you know, a, a, a really a long and successful career in academia in veterinary medicine um, to, for people to hear like, that wasn't the plan. It's not like you had this all mapped out. So it sort of happens organically, right? Where you're just like, you know what? I'm, I feel good. I'm in I'm yeah. in my element, and I'm going to keep groove. doing it. Yeah, yeah. I like to say, you find that you get dirty about. That's that's always what I say. But um, so you stayed at AMC. So you did a year-long internship, a three-year two-year residency. Two-year residency. Two-year residency. Two two residency. Oh, jeez. But I was, <laughs> I was in the first class to sit for the board specialties. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the first. 
class at AMC or the first class period? First, first class period of the ACVIM. Wow. There was, um, I, finished the, uh, re I finished the residency in 1972, and then I wanted to stay on at the AMC, mm -hmm. which I did, and then the ACVIM founding fathers. Yeah. So the people who got to basically be specialists just because they've been doing it long enough, right. they said, let's get together and start yeah. this, people, which we can talk about more of that later, people, but didn't have to take an exam. Exa well, exactly. People yeah. like, <laughs> people like uh, Kyle Osborne, okay. Bob Kirk, okay. um, yeah. Bill Kay, Steve Ettinger. Yep. Yeah, all those, all those textbooks all that, those, that all everybody those textbooks uses. Exactly. Yeah, those people. Yeah. <laughs> the people they, who literally wrote the book. Yeah. They were the grandfathers. Yeah. And uh, then in 1974, I sat for the qualifying exam. Yep. And we didn't know what to study. It was, it <laughs> they was probably a, didn't know what to test you on. <laughs> it was an open agenda. And then in uh, 75, I sat for the certifier. So from day, from day one. But they initially, they did it the same way. The two exams, just like they do today. So two they exams. have, yeah, the qualifier, then the certifier. Yep. Um, I still have mixed feelings on whether or not I wish um, the ECC group would do the same thing. I kind of like the idea that we only take one exam because... Boy, those things are grueling. Yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, pros and cons. Surgery just split off. Uh, I know. They, yeah. they have two exams now, too. Yeah. The material is so voluminous. I mean, yeah. Well, we apparently just together. tell our people to suck it up too bad. <laughs> 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 and we might, yeah. maybe one day we'll have to. I, I, I won't be surprised. I just don't know how I won't you would be it. Like, I guess in medicine, it sort of makes sense to me because you have so many, now you have so many subspecialties, yeah, right? You have yeah. cardiology and yeah. um, and oncology and so on and so forth. So it's like, okay, here's the things that, you know, basic physiology, or which I guess we could do. Physiology, we could do. physiology and pharmacology can easily be in a... Uh, if that's the whole exam, like, I don't know if I would have passed if I had to take the exam. <laughs> it was just that. Like, I needed that yeah. other clinical stuff yeah. to kind of lift yeah. me and get me through. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy. So you were in the first group. First group. Yep. yep. How many of there were you taking the exam? Do you remember? Um, there were 11 of us. 11. That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. actually a pretty good size, though, for the first the first group taking yeah. it. Yeah, and there were 19 of us when I grandfathered the immersion group of care. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, okay, so then, yeah, so you fast forward however many years that was. Okay, so 1975. 1975 to 1989. Certified, and then yeah. 14 years later, the, uh, then you were part of the group of, yeah, the, the, the grandfather did. So you didn't have to take the second test. Did not have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? I was very happy about that. <laughs> exactly. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So you basically, so you were just there that first, you get kind of guinea pig class. Yeah. And um, and so, how many of the people that were taking the exam when you did? Like, did you know everybody or not yet? And then you eventually my reputation. Did? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's such a small. Yeah, group. there were like five of us from uh, the AMC. Okay. And then wow. there were people from UC Davis and so, yeah. University so of Pennsylvania. So were all training together. Um, pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Nice. And then. So that those eleven people then scattered, then and then just it just scattered. explodes. It's like exponential from there. And it, it's funny after the specialties got set up, mm -hmm. then all these state organizations and all the continuing education wanted word certified speakers. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that was a and real a small pool very 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 from. busy time. Very yeah. busy time. Easy to beef up that CV, though, right? Well, yeah, but, 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 <laughs> but, but, but you had a job to do, you yeah. know? So oh, yeah. You couldn't go run around every week uh, yeah. like like some people do, but I don't know how they do it. I don't, you, but, you had a chunk of time where you were doing that. You were running around every the, week. The, the 90s were real busy yeah. for me. Yeah, speaking a lot. Very right? busy, yeah. So where, just 
I don't know, I guess maybe I should have done more homework, but um, the the College of Surgeons, so the American College of Veterans yeah. Surgeons, where were they? What was happening then? Sur surgeons came before medicine. They came first. The I'm oldest deep. college was pathology, I'm, huh. I'm pretty sure. Huh. I would not have guessed yeah. that. Yeah, pathology, that sense, yeah. Surgery was there, um, I think, in the early 60s. Wow, so yeah. quite a bit before. Yeah, they I were there beforehand, yeah. I'm not necessarily surprised. I think just because surgery is such a concrete thing that people can wrap their minds around, you know, and mm -hmm. like this is a thing I'm going to do where I always, I've always felt like internal medicine and, and UCC as well is always like kind of blurry, like what, what does that mean and what does yeah. it involve? But I suppose at the time it was anything that wasn't surgery. <laughs> Actually, if I recall at the AMC, the surgeons from the, the, the whole Maybe surgery came in the early 70s. Okay. Late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Because, not that much before you Because came. I remember them studying for oh, their exams. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. they must have been. Yeah. Right. yeah. It was a little bit later. But Kath was the one of the older ones. Yeah. yeah. And now, of course, you have, you know, human medicine where, you know, people could sort of model things after yeah. and, and whatnot and maybe try to improve upon, you know, like learn what mistakes they made and so on and so forth. So... What um, you know? What did you guys do differently when it came to time to you know build the ECC specialty college? You know, learning from the development of the ECBIM and, and whatnot. So how did that? Because you were part of that. Well, ECC came because there was this startup need for emergency people. Mm -hmm. And there was also this specialty in human medicine for critical care that revolved around the post-operative case, yeah. the massive trauma case. Yeah. And the surgeons never learned that. Medicine never learned that. So there was this gap. You have a few people who have a particular interest who are trying to fill that gap. But... There was this gap that needed to be filled yeah. in order to bridge yeah the whole clinical arena and the ECC was the, the perfect bridge. And it seemed to me like um, it, talking, so Bernie Hansen um, was one of my mentors and we talked a little bit about this because yeah. he was one of the early, um, not not a founding member, but one of the yeah, early, one of the first test takers yes, as well. Was, yeah. And um, and for him, at least, you know, one of the main things that he and I talked about before was pain management was still just in, at least in some areas in its infancy, and especially with surgeons, the way he, he would tell me is, you know, some Absolutely. of the surgeons were yeah. just like, man, you know, you guys are, it, it's not that big a deal. That's my generation. That yeah. That's my and, generation. And right. so, so he, at least I think for him, that was an important part of the emergency critical care college as well to recognize the importance of pain and managing pain mm -hmm. appropriately. Yeah. He's got some fun stories. Maybe I'll have to get him mm -hmm. uh, to come and chat with me here too. But, um, so you had a group of people, correct me if I'm wrong, was everybody that was part of starting the ECC college already board certified in either surgery or internal medicine? Were there any anesthesiologists or, um, or was it just medicine and surgery? For the most part, if I recall, we had internal medicine, surgery, anesthesiology, quite a few anesthesiologists. Okay, that makes sense. That's how the pain thing came yeah. in, yeah. And... Um, uh, there were a couple cardiologists. Okay, yeah. And um, that 
that's kind of cool, that right? Was, like, I like that the, the idea that yeah. that's how yeah. our college started. It says, you know what, there's a piece missing here, yeah. and everybody from these different areas has something to contribute. Yeah. Everybody, you know, there's a gap, and we need a little, because that is kind of what we do. It's a exactly. little bit of this, exactly. a little bit of that. Exactly. We're sort of a specialty without a focus sometimes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but but it's necessary, and, and you know, the, the kind of common denominator is that dying patient, right? Exactly. The, the dying patient, and... The the uh, the the subcategories of treatment involving fluid therapy, yeah. acid based medicine. Yeah, stuff so we get um, nerdy about that everybody else is like. <laughs> the <laughs> kidney patient. Yeah. yeah. I mean, medicine took it part of the way, but what about the animal that's near failure? What right. do you do with that? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it was a, a perfect a perfect bridge. A marriage of all these different specialties. And the, the public wanted it. Oh. The public wanted it. The specialties were a little bit dubious at yeah, first. Yeah, I can imagine. That's why um, in 1989, when uh, I was grandfathered into ECC, um, the uh, hospital board wanted me to set up an ECC unit here. Yeah. I said, uh, <laughs> what do you envision? Well, just do it. I said, like by myself, with what we have? <laughs> yeah. And, and I said... I said, just for starters, yeah. just for starters, give me 250000 Yeah. And this was in 1989. In 1989. <laughs> and we will build it. Okay. And we waited until... So wait, then they said, sure, and cut you a check? Or no, they were like, no. They did. They didn't do it. Okay, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> I stepped back yeah, and I said... Sorry. We have to we have to educate everybody around here what all this entails and what the knock on effects are. And that took uh, that took us to around um, 2005. <laughs> That's when we recruited Karsten Band. Yeah, so 16 years from when they were Just like about. do this thing. Yeah. before that takes yeah. a long time to raise quarter of a million dollars, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so and in the meantime, yeah. medicine and me yeah. oversaw yeah. ICU. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, so when I did my internship at the University of Illinois, just a couple of years after you graduated, right. um, so they didn't have no. emergency, well, we had emergency, but we didn't have critical care, we didn't have critical care. Halfway through my internship, Maureen McMichael was hired, um, which was very fortunate and good timing for me, um, because I was starting to think that might be something I was interested yeah. in. But yeah, at the beginning, it was medicine, and I felt, those poor medicine residents, and you know, because they were helping us and supervising us and supporting us. Right. Um, but this, that's not what they chose, right? And at that point, ECC was a specialty, though it was still fairly young and, and there were not a lot of programs. Um, I think about how it is right now, and it's sort of insane to think even just when I was doing it, how, yeah. how um, new so many of these programs were. But, um, but these poor medicine, like everything just got dumped on them. We did everything and, in medicine. And it's very yeah. much not like that now, which is, I think, better. So I think most people in medicine would say much better that they're not having to become emergency critical care mm -hmm. doctors yeah. um, by default. But, um, yeah, so it's it's crazy just how much things have changed. In that. But so when I was applying for residencies, there were, I think, maybe nine academic residency mm -hmm. programs. I think a couple yeah. of them had more than one class because like Penn had a couple of spots and Tufts had a few spots, but I think nine different programs in academia. There were, there were a handful of private practice ones. And half of those, they I would have been the first or maybe second resident they'd ever had. Right? Yeah. And it was not 
that long ago. No. So that was in um, 2008. Mm -hmm. So just over 10 years ago. So really, the ECC college has exploded, it has exploded. Um, in the past, you know, decade or so. Yeah. And, um, and it was funny because I actually, I, I only applied for five. I only applied to five places mm -hmm. for residency because I didn't want to be a guinea pig. I know that sounds maybe terrible, but I didn't, and um, I, you know, I'm very grateful to the people who were guinea pigs, um, and then I could benefit from, you know, what, what they went through. But I was at NC State. I was their fourth total resident, um, the third. So they had had one resident, then they they skipped a year, and then they took two residents the following year, and then I was the next one. And what a difference being there in line rather than, you know, Marie Holowaychek was their first one, and, and we had chatted a little bit about. Um, when I went to interview there, because I heard I heard some stories, I almost didn't apply to NC State, which is where I went. But um, I asked her point blank. I said I I'd heard there were some real problems with the residency, and she was very frank. I was like, yeah, there were. <laughs> it was terrible <laughs> the first year. Here were the things they were having me do. But to their you know credit, they took her feedback, and when she was like, this this isn't sustainable, and then they made they made appropriate changes, and, and it's you know became what they had what I thought was a fabulous program, um, and I think still is, but um, but yeah, so I really benefited from a lot, because a lot of places were still trying to figure their, their way on how to have a 24-7 resi a residency. Well, uh, back in the beginning where, where we only had a handful of people, mm -hmm. and we wanted the college to grow, mm -hmm. we had to make flexible training programs right. that that led that gave a lot of wiggle room yeah. as far as how closely people were actually going to be supervised, mm -hmm. and um, as the college need somebody to work after hours, but I don't want to be there all day. Exactly, yeah. and as the college grew, uh, after uh, 2000 and uh, let's say after around 2010, mm -hmm. there was this big push for absolute supervision. Yeah. And this is what residents must be able to do. Yeah, this is what faculty will be responsible to making sure that they get it done. Yeah, the guidelines are much more explicit exactly. now than when yeah. I was doing my residency. So, even, I, so. Just, mm -hmm. I just watched the whole thing intensify. Yeah. Which is, it makes sense, right? It's Which is an amazing, amazing process. Yeah. You almost have to just give it a go, right? Let's it's try true. this and see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, sorry yeah. for those first few people who got experimented yeah. on a little bit, but you know, yeah, that's, it you know, it's, it's got to start somewhere. Yes. I'm glad it did, and um, and, and, and we're still evolving. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. We're still making changes and, and trying to make improvements. I don't think we always get it right the first try, even You're now. You're doing the same in human medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so trying to learn from each other, and um, that's always interesting, right? Like when we borrow what's happening in human medicine, because sometimes I think it's a mistake when we. We try to copy what they're doing too mm -hmm. much, um, and other times I think, ooh, you know, they they've made all those mistakes. We probably shouldn't make the same ones, but um, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to know, um, but it's it's pretty fun. I think um, that that's that's what I think is really kind of fascinating. It's just in such a short, from my perspective, such a short period of time, how much things have changed. So I can imagine you sitting back and looking at this and just kind of laughing at me like, yeah, you think you've seen things change. <laughs> I see it every day. Yeah. You know, everything that I see on any given day is usually indexed from yeah. a certain point as to how far it's come along. And I stand in awe of it. I, I mean, I, I just think it's fantastic. Well, you know? it, it, it certainly comes through. And, and what I, one of the things that I'm always impressed with is your 
your memory, your, your recall of specific points in time, specific cases, specific people, um, which to me just shows, one, I mean, it's impressive from a memory standpoint, but also just clearly how much you love it. Um, the Key passion work. that you have for just the whole profession, not necessarily ECC or internal medicine, but just vet med and, and teaching and, and being part of watching it grow and sort of nurturing the profession along. And um, have I captured it? <laughs> is that, is that, that's what I see, you know, from the outside looking in. And, and it's, it's really nice. Um, I, think that's, I think that's why you, um, that when you tell your stories, it resonates with people. And, and it, because I think it's, that comes through, that comes through that just every day. I'm excited about this stuff, you know? Um, and I, I hope that more, you know, more and more veterinarians come through with that. You know, we, we have, not to go like super dark here, but like we have a problem in our profession mm-hmm. um, of, you know, a mental health problem. We have burnout. a problem of burnout. Absolutely. I, um, this this struck me um, so much. So I'm not going to give too many details, but I was in I was at one of our other services in the hospital, and I won't even say what service. And there were a couple of residents and technicians that were um, around, and they were talking about some things. And I was going down, following up a case, and I don't remember the details of the conversation, but it came up that they were talking about what would we do if we weren't a veterinarian, uh, you know. It's hard for me to contribute to that because I'm like, well, if I, you know, my backup plan was philosophy. So if I thought I was poor now, I might even be poorer if I'd done, if I'd done that. Um, Very poor. Yeah, exactly. Um, although maybe less debt, I guess. I would, so maybe I'd actually be better off financially. But um, uh, but I was like, it's really hard for me to think of that. Uh, but it came out that several of the residents who are in their residency right now said that if they could go back and do it all over again, they wouldn't go to vet school. And that was just like a gut punch for me. Like that was yeah. like the saddest thing I'd heard. And these are people who are, I mean, they, they went to high school, they chose to go on and do additional training. And in the midst of that training, I, you know, maybe maybe it's because they're in a training program and that, you know, it makes things feel hard. But they, they didn't even sound like it was that. It was just like, no, I think I would have just made another decision. I would have become a realtor. I would have, you know, whatever else it was. And, and I think in a heartbeat, I'd go back and do all this again. Yeah, see, I kind of feel sorry for people like that, right? Bobby, because... Then it becomes a job, mm-hmm. uh, rather than a way of life yeah. with a passion uh, but right in the middle of it. There's a flip side to that, though, um, because the other thing that I think we have to be careful of is tying too much of our identity up into being a veterinarian, right? Yeah. Like, a veterinarian is still what I do. Leaving it's not who room, I am. Leaving a little room for everybody else. Right, yeah. because if, if what I am is a veterinarian and is only a veterinarian, that's dangerous, right? Yeah. Because if I have a bad day or a bad week or, you know, whatever, that's a bad life now versus I can have a bad day. Um, and, I, and I do have those, but I have a life outside of this. And I <clears throat> I love what I do. I feel very fortunate that I get to do what I do. And I would do it all over again. Go back to vet school. I would do an internship. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> it would be tough to do it again, but I would do it. I would do the residency. You know where to draw your but, lines. But, yeah. yeah, but it's not. It's if I couldn't do this tomorrow, I'd be so sad, but I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I'd be sad. I would, I would miss it, you know, but I would be okay. I'd find something else to get super nerdy about, you know, but, um, so it's weird. I don't know how you find that balance though. 
which brings me to my retirement. Ah, you're not going to retire. See, that's the whole thing. Yeah. I, I had, at some point. Yeah. I, I had this opportunity to to retire. Yeah. But I kept on saying, "What am I going to do?" Yeah. Because I fit that other kind of person where my life is so involved with veterinary medicine that if that bubble breaks, what do I grab onto? Yeah. I figure I can only work out for so many hours a day. <laughs> I don't know. You seem to be pushing the envelope on well, that one, too. <laughs> and, then, and then you're left with um, what hobbies do you have? Yeah. What other interests? And uh, I'll be the first to come to say that that's a flaw in, in, yeah. in me. I mean, yeah. uh, I just never, never had that other thing that I could fall back on. Yeah. That some people are happy doing woodwork and carving with this yeah. and making this and making that. And, I don't know. I mean, I try to like fast forward in my mind when I, when I get to the point in my career where it it would be normal or natural to think about retiring or other people start looking at you like, when are you going to get out of here? Or, you know, how am I going to feel about that? And I don't know what I hope for. Do I hope that I am like you where I'm like, I can't imagine not doing this, um, where I just, you know, I make like I'm semi-retired. I'm like a, a you know, so many, so many like a George Eister who's like retired and yet still working, or um, a Gretchen Flo, who were both people at Michigan State when I was a student who were retired and yet I was on clinics with them. So I'm like, that's not really retired. Yeah. Um, or you know, is that what I hope for myself that I just kind of, you know, keep in it, do the things I can do, don't quite, you know, not cold turkey stop. Or do I hope that I can say, you know what, it's been a good career. I can look back and be really happy with it. But I'm cutting ties, and I'm going to go off to the different part. I don't know what, what's better. I don't. And I don't even know what I think is better for me or what I would prefer. I don't. That's weird, I know, but well, I do think about it. Your point is well taken because as I look to other colleagues who have retired, they had a plan. Yeah. They had other things they wanted to do in life, Yeah. and they were starting to, uh, to build toward that. So when indeed when so indeed they came, they just closed that office door and that and was it. Buy. That was it. And did and, they come back and like keep doing speaking or this or did they cold turkey cut ties? Maybe you know talk to friends, but like didn't do anything. Most of them were pretty good about disappearing. Really, uh, wow. they came back maybe to do a little lecture here and there because the school might have needed them. Sure. But they were anxious to set out um, on their tracks and do their photography and their travel and or work or buy a farm and work on the farm and and raise goats. That sounds like hard work and it sounds very similar to veterinary medicine. (laughs) So, uh, but I never, I never, I never saw myself doing Doing that. So, um, but I was lucky. I, I have to admit, I was lucky that I was able to stay. Well, we were certainly very lucky that, yeah. that you were able to stay. We've been certainly lucky here at Florida to have you sticking around. Um, and um, as long as I'm getting everybody's way. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like we all get in everybody's way all the time, but um, sometimes it's just learning how. Um, I don't. I don't really think you get in anybody's way. I think some people. It doesn't matter what you do. They feel like everybody's in their way, right? Um, mm, but nice. um, but I think I think we've certainly benefited, like you said from your knowledge, your experience, and probably more than anything, your passion, right? Like, I think that's really important for me, for residents, for interns, for students, um, for, you know, all the faculty to see that that's what you should be hoping for, is a career in this, you know, in this field where 
you've been doing this for you know decades. You can start counting in decades, and you're just as excited today as you were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever that may be. And and that's what I would hope to cultivate. And I mean, I don't I don't know if that's something you can. Maybe that's just the individual, uh, but it's nice uh, to see that. That's my greatest motivating um, direction at this point. The fact that if I can influence people's careers Mm -hmm. and allow them to grow, put them in a certain direction, um, help them solve problems, to get over the hump. But also set the bar for what you should want for yourself, right? Like this, you should be excited about this and happy about this. I'm, I'm, I am totally happy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with teaching. Uh, yeah, teaching is my core thing, yeah. and uh, without that, it would be more empty. And then I probably would have retired. Yeah, I probably would have retired. Yeah, yeah. I think about that too. That is one of the things, the teaching aspect, that keeps this fresh mm-hmm. for me. And um, I say this to students sometimes. I've told people, you know, if it's like, oh, it's it's a GDP. Well, I've seen a GDP before. I've you know I've treated GDPs. There's you know, oh, this is a little different this time, and oh, oh look at this live table. But really, it's, it's the same thing, right? But this student has never placed a trocar. This student has never, you know, diagnosed it or heard that ping yeah. or whatever it happens yeah. to be. That's ex- I get like it, re- sometimes I think I get more excited than they do. Like you haven't done this before. Oh my gosh, we're going to do this. This yeah. is so this is great, yeah. you know. Um, so their excitement, and I almost you kind of live vicariously through other people's experiences. Um, and so I, I don't know, I guess I don't know how people who don't teach keep that fire going. I, you know, maybe not everybody wants to teach some people that, that I think that sounds horrible. I actually did for a time, thought it would sound terrible, but, well, it's um, the love of animals too. Yeah. Know? Oh, for sure. And, um, that with the teaching. Yeah. So if you, if you're in practice, uh, hopefully it's that passion for yeah. making things well and keeping them well yeah. is, uh, what keeps people going. Yeah. Well, it's it's really nice to have you know positive people on who are excited about their careers and um, and and just the veterinary medicine you know the, the field of veterinary medicine the uh, the community that we have and um, and so it's been really fun actually I learned a lot you know we we chat all the time it's, it's always fun to kind of learn a different perspective you've got a lot of stories and I, I haven't heard them all so we'll have to have you come back sometime and that's we can, a two way street do it again. I sure yeah you, man, I do the same for you so. yeah no so that's um, exciting this has been really fun Thank um, you. Uh, it's been yeah. fun learning and, and thanks for everything you've done for the profession for me and um, we'll have you back and we'll, we'll chat some more great it's been a pleasure thank all you right. all. Yay. Yay.